him and his brother and even their mom's mantra was it's only funny if you actually do it so when they would sit around and come up with all these crazy ideas he was just like you know, i'm gonna do, do it, it. Welcome back to another episode of Struggling School Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And Sam is joining us today to talk about the book, Digging Up Mother. I got this book. I requested it because I am a fan of Doug Stanhope's mm-hmm. comedy. But, you know, for anyone listening, like I say, when you see him live, there is a warning that you could be offended and you will see some, hear some interesting things. So, you know, if, if when you go to grab this book... You're going to read some interesting things. And it is a memoir, so it has a lot of his personal experiences in it. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. it deals with his life through his relationship with his mother. And Freud part would the, be so proud. Part of the way he was able to say he can construct this book, because, again, if you've seen him, he is a he's a drinker. And, you know, he parties and does stuff on the road. Despite you see him, he looks like a used car salesman, but he's out <laughs> doing it. And like he said, he goes, he doesn't remember a lot of these things, but his mom was a pack rat and or he actually said straight up hoarder mm-hmm. and kept meticulous records. She had planners from like when they were children and wrote in like every day, everything they did, wrote down all of his tour dates when things happened. And he said when she when she died that he was able to go through and piece together like his own life like okay well i did this here so he said when he started the book he took her planners and a stack and then would call people and be like, do you remember when i when i was in wisconsin right <laughs> i don't <laughs> so normally a book would start with you know when i'm a child and move forward well not this book it begins with him and his girlfriend assisting in his mother's suicide and uh, it's a true story like she was had emphysema couldn't breathe and through people he knew and met he was able to figure out with her hospice medication how much she would have to take to die oh wow and she was just kind of over it so they brought him brought her to his house put her bed in the living room and then they just kind of basically had a she was a long-term substance abuse issues, but she'd been on the wagon on and off for years at a time where she was clean. And she'd been on the wagon for years, but they decided, you know, you can't, I think his quote was, you can't take these chips with you. So they decided to set up a bar, watch their favorite movies, drink a bunch, and then whole time she was popping morphine just to do it. And that was how they, so that's how the book opens is the details of that. Wow. So are they, did they wait? Or are in the state that that is no, they're in, a place in that Arizona. Is... He okay. like he said, he did not technically assist. His mother took the medication herself. Okay, she did everything on her own. He just barbacked her, yeah, her youth, her self euthanization. <laughs> I mean, there, I should believe there were legal things that came up at points, but no one could really do anything okay. because she ultimately was die by her own hand right but yes yeah, so that's how the book opens so if you're wondering if you want to read this that is a good way to know that this is the opening chapter of the book plus yeah is discussing this but again i mean she was in her early 60s and had late stage emphysema she wasn't going to live much longer on her own mm-hmm. it was just do you want to choke to death or over for partying. a month long you know or go out you know having a little bit of fun and she chose the latter and then from there is when it moves back but it's also if you you know if you're listening there is a great you can do youtube search where he does a stand-up bit like he never hid from it he did mm-hmm. a stand-up bit where he talked about actually participating or not being there yes 
<laughs> Legally, my, my lawyer said that I have to say that I did not hand her any of the pills. <laughs> she found them herself and took them. <laughs> so let's talk about his family. Was it just him and his mom? Did he have He siblings? had a brother and his parents were married. Like it was, again, it's kind of one of these like sordid tales that it was a different time. Like his mother and his father got married, I think when she was 18, but she had been one of his father's students, like high school students. Like he was a science teacher and he's like he goes this is the most thing i could never imagine my dad the most straight-laced guy in the world the most boring he used to always say like one of the more boring people he'd ever met but in like a good way but he was very just like it was the rock in his life where his mm-hmm. dad was just like hey what's, what are y'all doing you know just he goes but that's what happened and he goes and that's how where me and my brother came from so they grew up there from the northeast so pennsylvania okay area and they moved around up there so there's times where he lets it go and comment where they'll say like oh it was wicked crazy the way this happens you're like okay <laughs> i know where you're from <laughs> but yeah so he deals with that and he talks about his brother a lot of the crazy adventures involve his brother mm, his damn. brother went to the military at some point right <laughs> i know i feel bad I'm like i'm blanking on the brother's name right now I'm like, I'm like oh god what is his brother's name like even some of the pictures he's like it's like, it I does look know. like it has a lot of pictures. I'm like peeking over the edge of the book, and there is a section where he put in a lot of pictures, which is kind of shows what a mess that you know they were doing. So I think mm-hmm. Mike Mike is his brother's name. Okay, Mike. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I had to look. I had to know that was kind of the thing, especially for society. Now it's an interesting way to look at. It. Like he was a, by his own accounts, like an absolutely wretched, terrible child. Like, he found, like, the darkest things in life really funny early on, which, I mean, mm-hmm. he got from his mom. I mean, he looks down with his very dark humor. And, you know, some of the stuff he did at school, it was like he'd point out, like, I would have been in an alternative school. I would have probably been on, like, a watch list. I probably Stuff where he was straight up, like, inadvertently, like, threatening teachers through artwork and stuff just because he thought it was funny to freak mm-hmm. scare him. And he's like, yeah, he goes, but now, you know, I would have been on a watch list probably yeah. locked away in a mental war but he just thought it was funny and his mm-hmm. mom was like his only advocate who would show up and be like oh no doug's just funny you know yeah we're not really in the political or like social climate for young teenage boys that i assume are white to threaten people at their school <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> like there was one where instance he brought up where like he drew a picture of like i think like throwing like a stick of dynamite or something and drew like he was a paper boy so he knew what his math teacher's house looked like oh, no. so he drew it to very much look like the math teacher's house he's like and then i just left it on my desk so when she found it it was like, was like i didn't get sent to the office anymore because <laughs> like that was like yeah it's terrible you know it's it's fun to laugh at now it was one of those things where it's like oh god like yeah. you know there were definitely some red flags but so it follows that then it follows his move because i don't think he ever really where a lot of people were like i knew when i was young i wanted to be a comedian and there was none of that. He was just kind of doing crazy stuff and just lived his life pretty much just fearlessly doing whatever. Like, mm-hmm. cool, we'll do it. And it was him, his brother, and even their mom's mantra was, it's only funny if you actually do it. So when they would sit around and come up with all these crazy ideas, he was just like, you know, I'm going to do, do it. it. And it's like, what about this? Well, yeah, it's funny. But if you don't do it, it's just like this dumb idea. It's like we should try it and see what happens. So give us an example of one of his misadventures. I suppose that's the story of how he threw dynamite at his math teacher's house. Oh, yeah. No, he it's never actually I did it. <laughs> followed through. When he went to Las Vegas for years, he got a job working at like a telemarketer, one of these kind of scam telemarketers where it's like, you know, you entered a drawing where you could win one of three things. And if you were a child, like in the 80s or even 90s, you, you got those phone calls. 
and they mostly call businesses. So you didn't, you know, if you buy all these pencils with like your company's name on it, you'll be entered to win this, these things. And he goes, yeah. you always got like the trash prize. Or if you did, it was like a low grade microwave. You won the big prize. You know, it was nothing that amazing. And so there were points where he was talking about when people gave him attitude or something, you know, how to come back at him. So there's a lot of those stories where he just stuff that actually one time he actually did. I think he got fired from one of the places because he took it too far. Oh, no. Like when somebody pushed back, like, you know, was rude to him. Like he went like full rudeness. back. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of it. It's 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 an interesting read because, yeah, this isn't a person who lived the most like upstanding life like he's done made his youth like getting through a lot of scams and things like that but at the same time you know walked that thing it doesn't hide it that's kind of the the tough part about the book there's no point where he hides anything like everything is as blatant so if you read a lot of memoirs biographies you can mm -hmm. tell people cut off the story at a certain point <laughs> and just like his stand-up he doesn't not only does he tell the dark part of it he also takes you down the entire shame spiral afterwards mm. to where and then you do this and it's just terrible and blah 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 and it's it, you know and then, you know, then I would just drink it. I'd forget about it. And I think it was funny and I'd move on. And, you know, and it was always like all these crazy people he met along mm -hmm. the way. And it took him a while. Like it was finally when he was in Las Vegas, he finally just had nothing going on. Was, was Would hang out at this casino drinking all the time because you know you could go he saw like they'd bring like two dollars in nickels and every time they saw a waitress come by they put in a nickel and be like oh hey can you give me this and then they wouldn't drink again until they saw her coming back or play again and then yeah. they'd pop in another nickel so it looked like they were actually playing and then he just would sit through comedy open mics and was just kind of like you know i can do that i've done <laughs> they're it. not even funny <laughs> right i can just get up and talk about my life and you know people will just be like oh god and then one of those things right after that just He'd already kind of had tough times. So for him, living out of his car and traveling the U.S., and he would play where no one else would play. Like, I'm going in the middle of Montana and doing <laughs> these runs. Like, he would just get in his car and travel and make enough money to just get to the next town and go from there. So, yeah, it was pretty wild. And then, you know, turned it into, like, a full career. And he would, you know, scam his way through different things. Like, he knew how to get food and things like that, place <laughs> different things. So it was interesting, but throughout the entire time, you deal with phone calls to mom, and she'd stay in contact with him. When he started getting notoriety, she's the one who ran his mail order site. Oh. So he's like, so when, when you got like a T-shirt or CD and they were all covered in cat hair, that was because it came out of my mom's apartment. <laughs> he goes, you know, if anything smelled like smoking cat hair, that's why. He's like, you got, it smelled like you bought it in a dirty comedy club, even if you got a mail order, because it came out of my mom's apartment. Yep. It's a bonus. You got you got a history of my childhood. Just right. So it was cool. And then like his mom got into acting for a while. Like she did theater when she lived in mm -hmm. Florida. So that's kind of interesting about those book too. Is that he always finds people to keep almost like instead of paying for a therapist. Like when he went to Florida, he had picked up just reading a newspaper. Some dude put an ad that was on death row in Florida, like looking for pen pals and whatever. So he just started writing this guy and he would just write like these long letters about like everything that was happening in his life, like basically just chronicling everything and just sending it to the guy on death row. <laughs> and then at one point he asked him, like, you know, man, like when the time comes, will you like make sure I get all these back? He was, cause that, and that was another point where he had like all these letters he had written about all the stuff he had done. Is that the guy who was on death row actually made sure he got everything when the back? Time comes, wow. Can you make sure I get these back? Right, you know, and it was funny. <laughs> like, and he actually takes some excerpts from some of those letters in the book. Yeah, 
where he was talking about like, Hey, so yeah, it was interesting. So then eventually he gets his mom to move to, he settles in Los Angeles. He gets big enough to where he can hang around LA and pay for everything. And he gets her to move out with him. So a big part of the book is that they move in together and then his mom's not the best roommate. She's a, a hoarder and mm-hmm. like I said, they're living in bunk beds and mom still goes to bed like, you know, dressed like she lives by herself. And oh, like, no. Roll over in the morning. Mom's crawling down the ladder. And it's like, oh, God. You know, <laughs> so there's points like that that are you about died. He's like, so eventually the apartment next door opened up. So I rented it and moved there <laughs> to the point that he didn't even make her move. He was like, he was like nope. Too <laughs> much, right, too yeah. much trash here and too much stuff. Like, I'm going to move next door. It'd be too much work for you to move. Yeah. And then it just goes into just the insanity that he's living next door to his mom you Mm -hmm. know roommates coming in and out people staying road comedians coming through but through all of it it's just you know she's the one constant when he's down the road doing stuff you know call her when he needs help she would always kind of make sure that he got there and then it kind of tables flipped where it was him taking care of her Mm -hmm. and even no matter how annoyed he got he was still like oh like she had a cancer scare and when he was on tour he would call in and they would like, you know, he'd be like, oh, let's call mom. And he would like do voicemail on stage. Like, mom, just check it in. She'd be like, still alive. Aww. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, mom. And it was like, so you'd do that on stage, like the mom death watch. <laughs> and uh, if that, that's not, that's the kind of show you're going to see when you go see him. Cause, and, you know, straight face, like, we're just going to see it. And it'd be like, so, you know, they were real close in that regard. And that's kind of what's cool about the book is he, you know, it's the digging up mother thing. He said to love story because it's follows their thing and no matter what he was posting some of the letters and what his mom said like yeah she goes if people didn't know us they think we had like a really inappropriate relationship (laughs) some of the subjects they covered like they had there was no subject that was off too far to go with his mom like she would talk about anything it was one of those cases where which I appreciated because my brother was a handful so me and my mother had a very sibling-esque relationship over standard mother parent so it was very much like that with them too they were more like best friends and siblings than Mm -hmm. they were parents so yeah it was a good it's a good touching story if you're willing to get past all the dark side of it there's some you know there's some celebrity gossip in here too he did date a few people at points that were famous it does seem like he the overarching theme like under all the darkness and like the funny stories is that he just cared a lot about his mom yeah he did like very much so I mean, to the point that, you know, like he said, it was a freaking out. He goes, it wasn't like a joyous thing when she was dying, but it was just like, you know, that's what we do. We Yeah. And it kind of covers that in the book. His way of dealing with all terrible things is just to make fun of it. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a coping mechanism. It's not, psychologists can decide if that's healthy or not. But yeah. It is always very much like, this is how we deal with it, and this is the best way yeah. I can do it. And it makes kinda... sense. A lot of people, I, I heard someone talking recently, probably on a podcast, because I'm bougie (laughs) about how death makes everything seem like absurd because you'll do something something terrible will happen someone will die and like but also you have like a really bad poop after and you're just like i can't believe i just spent 15 minutes destroying the bathroom after my parent died like it's it's yeah it's weird because like normal things happen so yeah, the I, world doesn't stop being absurd just because someone around yeah. you dies. Yeah. So so him just rolling with it and just being like, whatever, we're just going to get drunk, do drugs, and watch TV. Let's go. <laughs> and that's kind of, so one of the punchlines may be a good place to leave it off. But when she did die, they live around the border in Bisbee, Arizona, him and his girlfriend, which is kind of fitting that she's uh, 
like schizoaffective that that's who he found and the girl he's been with for a long long time and like you know does stuff with is is not you know <laughs> yeah as straight laced as you know not a that makes sense as society would deem normal she seems like a wonderful person but mm-hmm. artist and all that stuff but so they live on the border so he's like yeah we just get you know we buy xanax stuff all the time because you know i'm out on the road or coming i want to sleep like i'll do that and he goes we're not like you know he tried to justify like i just break one in half and, and he's like mom <laughs> had been coming we've been up for days like helping her we were tired he goes so the night we're like we both take like an entire xanax like we're going to bed and then we'll deal with this tomorrow. Then he's like, Mom wakes me up like, it's time. <laughs> oh, like, what no. do you mean it's time? So they said when they went through, they did everything. You know, they're out all evening drinking, watching movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when she finally, you know, he falls asleep. They end up falling asleep before, I guess, she had stopped breathing or whatever. But they woke up to when people were starting to come in, like the EMTs, because he had a neighbor. And the first thing they did is they went to his girlfriend, Bingo is what they call her. her name's Amy Bingaman, but they call her Bingo. And... They went and the paramedics started like getting her, grabbing her to start getting her out. They thought she was the dead person. Oh, no. Because she was laid out on the couch, you know, drunk on Xanax. Yeah, like, while the paramedics are right. around. So they're like, they walk in, it's like, oh, that must be the dead She's, person. She must be the dead one. They're like, no, 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 wrong, per- wrong lady. She's over it's there. It's the other one. <laughs> wow. So, you know, there's always, like he said, he goes, that's one of the things he can't let her live down. But it's even at this dark moment, there's the absurd punchline. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is a good note to end the podcast on. Thank you so much for bringing a book that I know is a little bit difficult to talk about because of the edgy content, but mm-hmm. we always appreciate a good memoir here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good, like, you know, I highly recommend this book if you're not easily offended and, you know, find humor in the And if you are, sides. maybe it'll be practice. Right. <laughs> and if don't be angry at the library, be angry at me for requesting that we purchase this book. <laughs> And on that note, stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye.